welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 5th of September 2010, entitled The Message of the Cross. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to think this morning about the message of the cross. The message of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 17 down to verse 23. Okay, verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. It was the great uh, preacher and pastor, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who once said, he says, nothing provokes the devil more than the cross. Nothing provokes the devil more than the cross. I want us to consider this morning three things about the message of the cross. The first one is that it's a strange message. Let's just have a look in verse 18. Verse 18, the Apostle Paul is speaking to uh, those believers at the church in Corinth, and he says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what's the next word? Foolishness. So we see here that there were some people that Paul was speaking to who thought that the message and the preaching of the cross was a foolish was a strange message. That word foolish basically means silly or absurd. Have you ever met people like that? When you try to witness and try to explain about the message of the cross? They think you're foolish. They think it's a strange message. Who are the foolish? Well, verse 18 to verse 31 in our reading the word foolish is mentioned no less than six times. But we see in verse 18 that Paul, the apostle, tells us exactly who the foolish people were. Let's just see who they are. It says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Okay? So the answer is to those that are perishing. Those who are lost. Those who are outside of Christ, those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. There may be somebody in here in this room this morning, you've come through those doors, 
and you maybe you've not known what you're going to expect. Maybe you don't realize and you don't understand what the message of the cross is all about. But it's basically all about the Lord Jesus Christ dying on that cross, shedding his precious blood so that you can have forgiveness of sins. Now, I wonder, is that you this morning? Are you one of those that the Bible says are perishing? Are you one of those this morning that may be lost, maybe outside of Christ? Well, if you are this morning, there is good news for you, is that there is still time and opportunity for you to come to the cross to have your sins forgiven. It's wonderful. I want to give you a list of those people who are perishing, those people who think that the cross is a foolish message, is a strange message. And the first one I want to start off with is the atheist. Now, you might have come through these doors. You may be hearing this sermon this morning. Um, you may be downloading it, maybe hearing it on the computer. And maybe you are an atheist. Maybe you, you think that, you know, we, we just came about by a big bang explosion or by some slime down there somewhere. Oh, no. The Bible makes it very clear where we came from. In fact, the first verse in the Bible makes it very clear. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Praise the Lord. So let's deal, first of all, with the atheist. This is the man who says that there is no God for me. There is no God. So if a man says that there is no God, we can be assured that he's going to say also that there is no cross. The two things will go together. You can't have one without the other. You can't say somebody saying, I believe in the cross, but I don't believe in God. It's impossible. Verse, uh, sorry, Psalm 14 and verse 1 deals with the atheist. The first verse says, The fool have said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. But just notice the beginning of that verse. He says, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Sorry about that. That's the word of God. It's not me, the preacher this morning. It's the word of God. And if you're upset this morning, please don't be upset with me. But you have to get upset with God because that's the inspired word of God. And God says, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. And isn't it ironic that the one who says that there is no cross, there is no God, the Bible says that he is a fool. The one who says that the message of the cross is foolish is the fool himself, according to God. I wonder, is that you this morning? What about the do-gooders? Who are the do-gooders? Well, there are many good uh, people who do good in this life. And we meet them at the time. These are people that pay their taxes. These are people who will walk old ladies across the road. These are the people who will, who will say yes, thank you. They will open the doors for ladies. These are the people who uh, 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 live a morally upright life. They don't steal. They don't, um, you know, they don't swear. And maybe on the outside, they, 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 they live a very good life. These may even be people that come to church. We may even have some here this morning who have been coming to meetings and prayer meetings and Bible studies. You may even mention the name of the Lord on your lips. There are many 
that are do-gooders, but they think that the message of the cross is foolish. Let me just uh, expand on that a little bit, because when you ask a person sometimes that is a do-gooder, a good person, have you been born again? Have you admitted to God that you are a sinner? Well, quite a few times the answer will come back, me, a sinner? I've never murdered anybody. I've never raped anybody. I'm a good person. I go to church. I'm, a, I'm on the church membership. I'm a good person. What's the reality of these people that are not born again? It's basically that they think the cross is a foolish message. They haven't come to that understanding or that acceptance that Jesus Christ is the only payment for their sins. Now, that may be you here this morning. Look, God loves you, whoever you are. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you this morning. But you need to come to the cross to have your sins forgiven and to be righteous before God. You need to be clothed in his righteousness and take away the dirty rags. That's what the Bible calls our good, our good deeds, are like dirty, filthy rags. We need to be clothed in his righteousness. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You know, this is one verse that maybe most of the children will know now from the Bible club. We try to get into them for, for these three days. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Sinners need a Savior. Whether you're a good moral person, whether you're the best person, you need a Savior, friend, like we all do. We were thinking this morning about in the Garden of Inn, one man's disobedience opened the door for the whole of humanity to become disobedient and to be sinners. We're all sinners, friend. We're all of us. But salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his cross. Wonderful news. You know, there are those that may say that, look, I'm not a sinner. The Bible says you are, friends. The Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive. Sorry, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. No matter who we are, we become liars. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word. We have sinned. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's just deal with a few religious people now. You know, there are billions around this world who are following religion, trying to earn their way and their acceptance with God. But in the end, it's going to lead to destruction. Jesus said that it's a broad road that leads to destruction, and many there be that that are on this road, but it's a narrow road that leads to life. And that is the way of the cross, dear friends, this morning. Let's have a look, first of all, at the Jew. You know, Paul uh, was a Jew himself, and he knew their background. He knew the, the things that the Jews were looking at and looking for, expecting. But let's just uh, notice in verse 22, he says, first of all, 
He says, for the Jews require a sign. Okay? The Jews were looking for some sign. Yes, they were looking for a Messiah. Well, they were not looking for a Messiah that was going to end up on a cross crucified by the Romans. No, the Jews were looking for a Messiah that was going to be a mighty reigning king that was going to kick the Romans out and he was going to rule upon this earth. And he was going to deliver his people. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, born into a poor family in Bethlehem, and he ended up on the cross, spat upon, beaten, rejected by his people. People thought, how can that be our Messiah? That's the Messiah, that's the hope of Israel. And he's ended up on a cross. No, that's not the sign we're looking for. You see, the cross was not the sign that the Jews were looking for. They were looking for something completely different. And it took them by surprise. Notice uh, in verse 23, sorry, verse um, 22, it also says, uh, for the Jews require a sign. And then in verse 23, we read, uh, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. Okay? The cross was a stumbling block. It was something that made them trip over and fall. They just, it was just like in the way. They just weren't expecting that at all. And you know that even today, the Jews on the whole, the, the cross, the message of the cross is a stumbling block. It is. It's not the sign that they're looking for. The Jews require a sign. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said that it was a wicked and adulterous generation that seeked after signs. And Jesus said that the only sign that they would get would be the sign of Jonah, that he would be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And do you know that that also speaks about the message of the cross? It speaks about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died, he was taken off that cross and he was put in a tomb and he was in that tomb for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was in the heart of that whale. The message of the cross. And that was the sign. What greater sign could there be? Well, there was an even greater sign because the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead three days later. And you know, if there's no resurrection... And the cross, really, basically, is just a sad story. But the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is God. And he had power over the grave, over death. And he rose from the dead. And he is alive today. You can go anywhere around this world today. And you can visit the tombs of the prophets. You can go to Jerusalem. I'm sure Andrew and Alita have been to Jerusalem and there's a place where you can go and you can visit the tombs of the kings. They're still there. When you go to the tomb of the king of kings, you will not find him there. He is not there. He is risen. Oh, praise the Lord, he's risen. Luke 16, 31, the Lord Jesus Christ says that if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The Jews had the greatest sign, and that was the resurrection. And most of them rejected it, and they still do even today. Thank God that many have accepted um, Jesus as their Messiah. I think uh, Andrew was telling me yesterday, 
when I first went to Israel in 93, there was about 2,000, yeah, 2,000 Messianic or Jewish Christians believing Jesus that accepted the message of the cross. Andrew was telling me yesterday that it's about 20,000 today. Praise the Lord. They've accepted it. They've accepted the sign, the message of the cross. Have you accepted it yet? Wonderful. Let's have a look at the Muslims. We've been hearing a little bit this morning um, from Andrew. And um, I'd say that about one, one and a half million Muslims, one and a half billion Muslims in the world. Can you imagine that number? One and a half billion Muslims. Look, we only have about 56 million people, population in this country. One and a half billion Muslims in the world today. And do you know that they believe that the message of the cross is strange? They believe the message of the cross is foolish. They don't accept it. You've only got to go out into the streets of Birmingham like we did yesterday. And you talk about the cross. You could talk about Jesus being a prophet. No problem. You can talk about Jesus being a good, good person. No problem. But you talk about Jesus on the cross, dying on the cross, then there's a problem. They think it's foolish. There is a verse in the Quran. I'm sure that Andrew could uh, quote it in Arabic, but it basically says this. Uh, Surah chapter 4 and uh, verse 157, it says this. It says, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. For of a surety, they killed him not. Don't be deceived, okay, like... I was almost deceived one time when a Muslim said to me, oh, no, we, 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 we Muslims believe that Jesus died on the cross. No, they don't. You want to know what a Muslim believes? It's in the book. It's in their book, the Quran. And the Quran speaks very specifically that they killed him not, nor crucified him. Okay? Um, Matthew 27, verse 35, says these short words. He says, and they crucified him. That's what the Bible says. The Quran, which came about five or six hundred years later, says that they crucified him not. The Bible, which went before, says, and they crucified him. We need to believe the word of God. If the Quran is the word of God, then it needs to agree with the book, this book, Bible. But it doesn't. So we've, we have to refuse it. Sorry, but it's a false, it's a false religion. It's a false teaching, and we have to say, no, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, the Bible says. Wow, wonderful news. On the, um, when we, were, we had a meal, a lovely meal, cooked by um, Rosemary, and uh, well, sorry, I won't embarrass you, but it was a lovely uh, Arabic meal, and uh, we were able to sit with the family and to watch a little bit of TV. And uh, they've got this nice TV in the, in the living room, and... Um, uh, they invited the family around, and uh, it was all in Arabic, the TV, and there was a program from Egypt, I think. No, it's from America, and it's called Al-Hayat, and it basically means the life. And um, this is um, um, a Christian channel, supposedly. I've never, I've never watched it and, uh, all and don't understand everything, but um, according to what I've heard, um, there were testimonies on that night, and we saw a lady, a Muslim lady, who had been converted She's accepted the message of the cross. And you know what she did on the TV? She actually took her, head, her, her burqa, her head covering off, and her scarf over her face. 
That's a very brave thing to do. But I could see, I could see in her face and in her eyes that she had, she had the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in her. She's got life now. And she was giving testimony of how she had accepted Jesus Christ as her saviour. The message of the cross, that's what it does. That's what it can do for you this morning. It can bring your life from the dead. Wonderful. We need to pray for the Muslims. We've got them all around us today. Praise the Lord. We've got even children in our Sunday school from Muslim backgrounds. Pray for them. You know, one of the, one of the young uh, girls from a Muslim background, you know, Angelica told me that in the, in the front of her Bible, you know what she's got written? She says, I love Jesus to bits. I love Jesus to bits. She loves the Lord. Let's just pray for them. Let's pray that God will do a work in their hearts. And lastly, let's just quickly look at the, the Roman Catholic. Now, you say to a Roman Catholic, do you believe in the message of the cross? The Roman Catholic will turn and say, message, look, I've got my crucifix on. Jesus is on the cross, look. Of course I believe in the message of the cross. Of course I believe that message. Unfortunately, the Roman Catholic who follows the Roman Catholic doctrine does not believe in the message of the cross. It does not believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, in a few weeks, Birmingham will be host to a man who claims to be um, God's representative upon this earth. He dresses all in white. He's called the Pope. And he's probably going to be uh, doing um, mass masses. And many people have um, tried to get tickets to go to these parks where he's going to be. But do you know what he's going to be actually doing when he does the mass? you actually know that he's going to be offering up the Lord Jesus Christ continually? He's going to be doing it again at this mass. Oh, yeah. And he's going to hold a wafer, okay, and he's going to proclaim to the people that the Lord Jesus Christ is in this wafer. And they sacrifice him upon the altar. It's lies. It's not the message of the cross. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. Three days in the grave. Third day he rose again. He's alive. He's not on a cross anymore. And the Pope will not be offering up the Lord Jesus Christ because it's done. Finished. Let me read you a verse from Hebrews. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And if you have accepted the message of the cross this morning, dear friend, you can have this security that you have been perfected in him and you are sanctified. You are set apart because of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Sanctified and perfected. When he looks at you, friends, this morning, he looks at you through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, through the blood, and he sees you as cleansed, forgiven, no condemnation. Wonderful message. Okay, the second um, point this morning, not only is it a strange message, but secondly, it's a shocking message. Notice in verse 23, Paul says, but we preach Christ 
crucified. Now, you know, when we think about the crucifixion, we may often see pictures of Jesus Christ on the cross, um, nice blonde hair, and, um, you know, um, look, we often miss, we often don't even see or understand the shock of a crucifixion. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ, was, his face was marred more than any man. And I don't care what DVD that you have seen of the Lord Jesus Christ being crucified, you would have never have seen anything like this. The Bible says that his face was marred more than any man. Let me just give you a, a medical description of a crucifixion. And this was written by a man who is a doctor, and um, he basically tells the physical aspects of a person who goes through a crucifixion. <clears throat> and just remember that even before his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus Christ, he suffered. He was whipped, he was beaten, he was spat upon, he was pushed around. But look, listen to what happens when he goes on the cross. This man says that the cross is placed on the ground and the exhausted man is quickly thrown backwards with his shoulders against the wood. The legionnaires feel for the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy, square, wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood. Quickly he moves to the other side and repeats the action. Being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some flex and movement, the cross is then lifted into place. The left foot is pressed backward against the right foot, and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each, of each, leaving the knees flexed. The victim is now crucified as he slowly sags down with more weight on nails in the wrists. Excruciating fiery pain shoots along the fingers and up the arms to explode in the brain. The nails in the wrists are putting pressure on the median nerves. As he pushes himself upward to avoid his stretching torment, he places the full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, he feels the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the bones of the feet. As the arms fatigue, cramps sweep through the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps, the inability to push himself up to breathe. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but not exhaled. He fights to raise in order to get even one small breath. Finally, carbon dioxide builds up in the lungs and in the bloodstream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself up to exhale and bring in life-giving oxygen. Then it says... Hours. Do you know how many hours it was? On the cross, he was there for six hours. Hours of this limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. Then ag another agony begins, a deep, crushing pain deep in the chest, as the pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress the heart. It is now almost over. The loss of tissue fluids has reached a critical level. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, 
blood, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to gasp in small gulps of air. He can feel the chill of death creeping through the tissues. Finally, he can allow his body to die. And we know that the Lord gave up the ghost. He had control and he gave up the ghost. Wow. The Lord Jesus Christ went through that. This is God. Came down from the glory. And he went all out through, the, through that for you, for a sinner. Doesn't that make you love him more? Doesn't that make you love him even the more when you know what he went through? What a saviour. What a saviour he is. You know, there's a verse in Hebrews 2 verse 3 that says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The Lord Jesus Christ has done it all. He doesn't need to be offered up again and again and again. He's done it once and he's done it forever for you. And while there is still opportunity, you can have your sins forgiven. But if you keep rejecting him and his offer of salvation, the Bible says, how shall we escape? You will be confronted one day when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be confronted with what he went through. You know that those scars that the Lord Jesus Christ has, do you know that one day we will see them in glory? We will. Revelation declares that. We will know that he is the Lamb of God that has been slain. We'll be reminded. But so will those who have rejected him and perished. He's done it all. He's done it all. It's wonderful. But you know that there is something even of a greater shock than a crucifixion. And that is the shock of sin to the eyes of a holy God. Let me read a verse from Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13. The Bible says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Oh, if we only knew how holy God was. The Bible says here that he is of purer eyes than to behold evil, and he can't look upon iniquity. He is holy. God dwells in a holy place. There will be no sin in heaven. This is the time, this is the place to have your sins forgiven today. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, remember those last words that he said. He said, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did, the, why did God forsake the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? Because he became sin for you. Oh, yes, he did. The Bible says, you know, we had a Muslim today in the city center. And um, he was basically saying, uh, why did God have to, be, have to come into this world as a human? <laughs> basically, the answer is, is because he had to become sin for us. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why he went through it, friends. He did it for you, so that you may become righteous in him. It's wonderful. He was made sin. He was made sin. He's the saviour. 
And he wants to save you today. You don't know him as your savior. Strange message, shocking message, but thirdly, and we're going to finish with this, it's a simple message. The message of the cross is a simple message. Verse 23, Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. He doesn't say here that, but we preach Christ and philosophy, or we preach Christ and intellectualism and science. No, it doesn't say that. It says, but we preach Christ crucified. It's a simple message. Have you ever met those people that um, <clears throat> when you ask them a simple question, you seem to get a half an hour reply, explanation? Why can't people just keep things simple? You know? Simple question. You get a half an hour explanation, and you think, wow, what, what was the question again? Keep things simple. You know, that's what the Bible does. That's what Paul was doing. When Paul said in verse 23, he says, but we preach Christ crucified. What Paul was actually doing is he was contrasting what the Greeks were teaching in verse 22. It says, for the Jews require a sign. And then it says, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And verse 23, it says, but we preach Christ crucified. Simple. Paul was trying to keep it simple. What kind of men were these Greeks that um, Paul had to deal with in this church and in the area where he was? Well, these would have been like maybe the Stephen Dawkins of this world today. These people were intellectuals. These people would have been philosophers. They would have been men of art. They would have been men of science. They would have been men of reading. You know, Paul could have, he could have talked with these people on the same level. You know, Paul was a very intelligent man, and he was well read in the scriptures. He knew the law. But when Paul came to the message of the cross, he kept it simple. He didn't start going into intellectualism and into philosophy. He says, but we preach Christ crucified. How do we deal with those people that would try to explain the gospel away. I don't know if you ever met people like that on the streets. You know, they're looking uh, for all these different, um, for, uh, these different scientific uh, proofs and um, intellectual uh, reasonings. And uh, by the end of uh, your conversation with many people like this, you will, you'll, you'll be just tied up in knots. You'll think, wow, what's it? Where you know, let's keep it simple. This is what Paul was doing. But we preach Christ crucified. And I've had this experience many times with people. And people will try to tie you up in knots. Now look, true science will always agree with the Bible. And I'm not at all against speaking against um, being a person of, uh, of science or of intellectualism or philosophy. But when things start to go away from this book then we need to start asking some serious questions. You know, men likes to get quite clever today. Yeah, we, we do. And we try to 
like to try and explain things away. We try to explain the miracles away that the Lord Jesus Christ did. You know, when he walked on the water, people have tried to come up with all different explanations and scientific reasonings of why, how we seem to walk on the water. The Bible says that Christ, he walked on the water, and so did Peter. We believe it because the Bible says it, and that's it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We believe it because God says it. We have to believe it. The proof is there, and it's all around us as well. Well, thank God that we have, um, we have uh, simple truth that Paul here was, was explaining. Uh, Romans 1 verse 22 says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's what happens very often that with people who try to profess themselves as wise and explaining the Bible away. The Bible says that they become fools. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. They may have all the degrees and they may have all the, um, all the, um, the letters before their names, but when they say that the cross is foolish and creation's foolish, the Bible says this is the wisdom of this world, not the wisdom of God. It's not. How do we deal then with these intellectuals? Well, two simple ways. First is to keep it simple. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Do you know one of the reasons why God likes to keep things simple? Basically because if we don't, we like this flesh to rise up. We like to start boasting in front of people. Let's just read a few verses here. Verse 27 he says here, but God have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God have chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised, like the cross, have God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Notice verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And that's one of the reasons why God likes to keep things simple. It's the wisdom of God. The message of the cross may be despised. And these people may think that it's foolish. But it's the wisdom of God. And Paul preached it. Keep it simple. And isn't that good news really for those young ones amongst us? Even those that we have in our meeting this morning, the Bible clubs, the Sunday schools. It's a simple message. Christ died for your sins according to scriptures. They can quote that verse. They know what it is. They know what sin is. They've learned it. They don't have to go and get degrees to learn that. They understand it. Wonderful. With the help of the Holy Spirit, of course. So keep it simple. And secondly, keep it scriptural. Scriptural.